Good morning. We will be starting in Deuteronomy, which is page 99 in the Blue Bibles at the end of the pews. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. I'm realizing I had a different version. Sorry for the confusion. I thought I had ESV. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You may be seated. I have the great joy of introducing you all to Ravon Johnson this morning. Ravon is a church partnership program manager with Seattle's Union Gospel Mission and has been there since February 2019. Charged with helping local churches effectively engage the homelessness crisis in the Seattle area, primarily through education about the true cause of homelessness, mobilizing churches, ministries, and volunteers to act alongside the mission. He is co-founder and pastor of Embassy Bible Fellowship, a home church headquartered in Renton. He is co-founder of Embassy Life Services, a ministry to homeless and low-income women and children. And he's the founder and president of Real Men at War, a ministry that motivates men to be who God created them to be. Ravon himself is a military veteran having served in the U.S. Navy. I've had a chance to hear Ravon preach a few times uh, and get to know him. And one of the first times we chatted, he shared a poem that ministered to me greatly. It was called The Chosen Vessel. For those of you who attended the women's gathering, at one point I did serve this, uh, share this poem. And I want to conclude with the last stanza. Um, maybe I'll send it out in the newsletter. It, it says, Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. So as I get to introduce my friend Ravon, I just think he is such a man who has poured out, poured out to our city, poured out to his church, poured out to me personally, most recently, just a few weeks ago over Zoom. So it is a joy to welcome you to my church family here at Icon Ravon. If you could give him a hand. Well, praise God. She wrote, said that exactly the way I wrote it. So I am excited to be here with you today. Uh, thanks, Calla, for inviting me. Um, man, this looks like I'm way up here. Yeah. It's just crazy. Uh, I, I understand I should probably stay here because of the live feed. Uh, but uh, I would rather be closer. So we're going to pray that the Spirit will draw us near. Amen? (laughs) I am so thankful to be here. You know, I have two questions, but I do not want you to answer them now. 
maybe it's too heavy. But I do not want you to answer the questions at the moment. As a matter of fact, I want you to ponder them as I go through the message. Ponder them in your heart and mind. And uh, the questions are, number one, do you believe that God is absolutely sovereign over all of creation? And if so, what difference does being a Christian make? This week, two families I know experienced tragic loss. Each had a child give up and commit suicide. One was a young man, 21 years of age. The other was a young lady, 18 years of age. The young man's family was pagan to the core. The young lady, her father is a pastor of a local church. The young man is ethnically mixed. The young lady is Caucasian. I mention these facts to illustrate that tragedy can happen regardless of whether you're in the church or not, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your economic condition. Both families are straddled with the guilty reflections that seek answers to the questions of why did I not see this coming and what else could I have done to prevent them from feeling so hopeless. The struggle is very real and painful and the questions are just as unanswerable. So the questions linger and will for quite some time. Man, <laughs> can this world get any better? Is it possible for people to know the true love of God and be filled with inexhaustible hope? Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Turn with me to the scripture she just read, Deuteronomy chapter 31 will be in verse six. Also go to 2 Corinthians because as we read them, we're gonna connect them. 2 Corinthians chapter five. So we want you to go there and uh, I like to read and connect them quickly. See, the more you hear it, the more it sinks in, amen? So Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. I like that. Verse eight, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. 
He will not leave you or abandon you. Nor uh, do not be afraid or discouraged. Therefore, oh, let, 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 let me get that right. I, I didn't get it right. There's a better flow. He says, the Lord is the one, Deuteronomy, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Therefore, I love that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we give you praise for who you are. Mm. Lord, I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And by the power of your spirit, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts and help us to see, hear, and understand what it is you want to tell us. And Father, I pray that once we understand that our feet will line up with the truths that you are going to reveal so that you, Heavenly Father, will be glorified by our behavior. I pray to God in heaven that you will control me by your spirit. Father, I yield my mind, my lips to you. I ask, Father, that you will say and do whatsoever you will. Move me out of your way completely, 100%. Engulf me, dear Lord. Say whatsoever you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, we know from both the Old Testament, <coughs> excuse me, and the New, that God created us to be in real relationships. Now, my uh, real is an acronym for what I have said is righteous, encouraging, accountable, and loving. God wants us to be in righteous, encouraging, accountable, and loving relationships. We were created for that. So what is, what's the picture that God is painting here in the Old Testament where we will start as it relates to you and me here in New Testament times? What's the picture? <laughs> Since the disobedience of Adam and Eve separated mankind from 
God and brought about spiritual and physical death, I submit to you that the Israelites entering into the promised land is tantamount to being born again in the New Testament. Both require what I call contagious faith. Contagious faith. To obey God and resurrect real relationship with him. And just like Adam and Eve in the Old Testament, believers have a command to be faithful and multiply. God doesn't change. Be faithful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. The difference is in the Old Testament, it was, it was literally a physical land that required human effort to obey, whereas in the New Testament, it is spiritual control of the physical body, mind, and soul. God gives both the same instruction, the nation of Israel and his church. Let me clarify that just a little bit. I want you to go into the promised land, cross the Jordan and go into the promised land, which is, was a physical land. When we get saved, God gives us complete and absolute control of this land. You can agree with me or not. Can I get an amen? You know, brothers of the lighter hue, they generally nod the head. I, I, I understand that. You know, uh, but the only thing that you and I can control when we receive Jesus Christ as our savior is ourselves. God does not give us authority over anyone else or anything else. The only authority we have is over self. So this is the land. Deuteronomy 31, 6, I love this. And we know the story. The nation of Israel is about to cross over the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. And, and it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey and lush green pastures and fertile land that will produce the best crops imaginable and nourish the last livestock in the best way possible. It was a fruitful land. Yahweh would be their God and they would be his people. Everything that they needed to prosper and be healthy, he would provide. And Israel would be a witness to the nations around it. But there was a caveat. Israel had to obey all God's commands, all God's command, and not turn to the right or to the left, rather stick to the letter of his law and commandments. Now, on the surface, that seemed like a simple thing to do. After all, they had pledged to obey him and follow him several times during their journey. However, Sin's grip on mankind would inevitably drag them back into its dark hold. And mankind would go the way of their 
fleshly inclinations, disobedience to the light. And we know that. We struggle with that. But God tells Moses to instruct the people. You know, I, I love God, even though he knows what's going to happen. He lets them know how much he loves them and leads them into an area and leads us into places where he wants us to be, even though he know we're going to, <clears throat> he knows we're going to disobey him. But he, uh, I, I'll get to that. Verse six, he tells them, I want you to instruct the people. So verse six, as they're getting ready to go into the land, he said, look, uh, tell them to be strong and courageous, Moses. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. There are giants in the land. There are evil kingdoms that will combat your every righteous move and in an effort to get you to submit to their evil ways. But don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you nor abandon you. On the surface, they look like, hey, man, ain't no problem. They could get this done. They had seen God move while they journeyed through the desert these 40 plus years. Hmm. But it's a false narrative. And it leads to a hopeless existence. It's what I call civilized darkness. Civilized darkness is living a good life without Christ outside of the true light. So much of our world is living in civilized darkness. <laughs> but God is not sending them blindly into this darkness. He has proven his love and care for them over the past 40 years of wandering in the desert. Listen, their clothes never wore out. Their feet did not chaff. Their skin did not burn, nor did they die of starvation. This is absolutely amazing to me. They walked around in the wilderness for all this time. And their clothes never wore out. You're wearing the same garb for 40 years. I mean, the, 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 it starts to unravel. No. Not with God. God protected every single thing. Their clothes, the thread that their clothes were made out of were, was important to him. Mm. Just like he knows every hair on your head, if you got it. It's important to him. Well, why, why, why did he say that? Well, let's back up a little bit to verse five. The Lord will deliver them over to you. Ooh. Well, there are giants in the land, but I'm going to deliver them to you. I'm going to deliver the giants over to you. 
and you must do exactly as I have commanded you. Now, this is, uh, <laughs> this is interesting. You see, God says, I'm going to destroy them, but you go do it. We get saved. It ain't changed. I'm going to destroy everything that is in you that doesn't look like my son, but you go do it. I'm going to give you you, but you go do it. All of that mess that is on the inside of you, I'm going to root out, but you go do it. <laughs> Victory is assured. Well, what does it take? It takes courageous faith. Why? Because of the giants in the land. God says, be strong and courageous. They were going somewhere that they had never physically been before. When you and I accept Jesus Christ, we've never walked with God before. We're going somewhere that is absolutely dark and scary. So, well, Vaughn, it's not scary. Oh, yes, it is. I can tell by the way you approach it. Look at our lives. Let's be honest. Mine, too. Look at our lives. We recognize that we're walking around in darkness and we try to be bold and we try to step out of there. But, man, it's scary. That's an amen. Courageous faith. Well, what is courageous faith? Courageous faith is moving forward into the darkness with uncompromising trust in God who has both purposed and empowered his children to fulfill his vision for their lives. You see, he says, raise up a child in the way they should go. Well, how should they go? What way should they go according to the vision that God has planted for them? It's not your vision. Oh, wait, 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 Ravon. They're my kids. No, they're not. They're not. You know what you own? Self. Self. But, but, but they live in my house, they, they have to obey me. Okay, yeah, but they're not yours. If you think they are, you'll screw them up. Our world is evidence of that. They're God's children. We are responsible to steward the life and the vision that God has placed in them. People talk about little boys, and next thing I know, they, you know, well, I ain't gonna get on that. A lot of things they're diagnosing at ADHD is just a warrior spirit that is in them that God gives to little boys to climb up the mountain of Christ centered manhood. We're to direct that, not squash it. Mm. Verse 8, look at what he says. I love this. Man, 
I, I, I remember uh, uh, one of my spiritual mentors, he said, people believe the Bible because they don't know what it says. He, he says this, he says, verse six, he ends with this. He will not leave you or abandon you. And we get to verse eight and then he says, he says, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. He reiterated again and again and again, God is with you. God is going before you. Don't fear. Don't be afraid of the giants that are in the land. Don't be afraid of the evil kingdoms that are trying to squash you and kill you. Don't be afraid of them because the Lord has already handed that mess into your hands. Now, when you get there, destroy every single one of them. Well, well, well you know, Lord, this, this, it, it, it looks good. I, I, I like some of the some of the, the, the things that I see here, some of the things that, that, that uh, uh, the nations have put together, I, I like some of it. So, so can I just keep a little bit? He said, destroy all of it. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Don't be scared of them. I see people in, in the world today, we're, we're scared. Christians are scared. Oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't say this in the workplace. They might fire me. Who's Lord? If, if they fire you, do you not think that God knew they was going to fire you before he told you to stand boldly for the, before them? Maybe he's shocked. Oh, I didn't know they was going to fire you. <laughs> but do you not think he can do more with you in his hand than the man who is, you're working for? Once again, God encourages Israel. Do not be afraid or discouraged, therefore. <laughs> okay, Lord, you tell me not to be afraid or discouraged. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone, that's us's, if anyone is in Christ, you see, man, look at this. It's Jesus, and it is in him that we live, move, and have our being. It is in him. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I love it. You should love it. You should be shy. You should be trying to rip them pews up because you're so happy. <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, I don't care who you are. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The old Ravon is gone. You wouldn't have liked him. 
The old Ravon is gone. Behold, the new has come. The new one is your family member if you know Jesus Christ is your savior and we're going to be together for eternity. We're going to be hanging out drink, drinking. Well, it won't, it'd be better than Starbucks. But yeah. <laughs> we're just going to be hanging out, eating some barbecue ribs, you know, barbecue sauce dripping down our face like, like Peter was when he was in the book of Galatians. You, you know that, that, that story. Peter's in the book of Galatians with Paul and the, and the Gentiles, and he was eating some ribs and some ham hocks, and, and uh, 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 the, the brothers from Jerusalem, the party of the circumcision, come down. Peter trying to wipe his mouth right quick. He jumps up. Ooh, 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 ooh. I, I'm, I'm not eating the ribs. <laughs> he becomes Jewish all of a sudden. Eating greens and cornbread. He's, man, this is some good stuff. <laughs> what I've been missing. And, and, so, and so he says, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the, the new has come. <laughs> Not what I used to be. You see, in, in, in the old school, the, the old mothers in the old church, they used to say, you know, I looked at my hands. My hands look new. I looked at my feet and they looked new too. And, and, and the old was gone and now the new has come and I have this new capability of living this life. I have this relationship with God and I have this relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and we got this brand new family. And this new family is a righteous family. Listen, you hear a lot of Christians talking about uh, being positive. I have yet to find that indication in Scripture. Just so you know. I've been searching for it. You know what I find in Scripture? Righteous. God deals with righteousness and unrighteousness. He doesn't deal with positive and negative. Anybody can be positive. All pagans are positively going to hell if they don't receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. But only believers in Jesus Christ can be righteous. We need to change the way we talk. We need to talk like God talks. We need to say righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I say, boy, you righteous. I don't say you positive. God doesn't call me positive. God never said, Ravon, you were positive. He told me I was righteous. I don't know what he told you. But I don't find that positive stuff in here. Been searching, haven't found it. I got 15 Bibles. No joke. I used to collect them. I got Bibles for days. You know, and I haven't found positive in my Bible. Now, I understand what people are trying to say, but see, that's what Satan told Eve. Just a little bit off. See, if you get, you, you know what, what, what a little bit of lie is? 
Just a little bit of false narrative is a whole lie. Anybody can be positive. But only believers can be righteous. Let's look at one another. Say, man, you righteous. Lady, you righteous. We need to change. He said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stop stop talking like the giants in the land. Talk like God talks. Okay, enough of that. So he says, if anyone (laughs) is in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God has brought us back together. We were alienated from him. We were separated from him and we still practice segregation. Even those of us who are in Christ, we still do what the giants in the land do. Only believers can be united in Christ. Only believers can have true unity, not uniformity, but true unity. Only believers can do that. God will not permit, and we see that from the Tower of Babel. God will not permit unbelievers to be united together. He will not permit that. Only believers in Christ Jesus can be united as one with him and with one another. And yet we struggle so hard with that. Why is that? Why is we allow the American narrative to dominate our mindset and our heart? Why do we allow that? Yeah, I'm descended from African slaves in America. But it is good that I'm here with you. Know why? Because I know who the heck I am in Christ. And you need me. Because I got courageous faith. I know who God has delivered me from. I know what he has put in me. And what's in me, you need. But what's in you? I need. That's what unity is. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We help each other grow up to the fullness of who we were created to be in Christ Jesus. Courageous faith. We got to move into the land. We got to be reconciled one to another. God has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And, 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 and that is Christ. In Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Man, thank you, Lord. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
This is the New Testament reflections of God's promise to his people. Now, it is no longer through the external human effort. Rather, it is an inward dwelling spirit of God that works through reconciled believers to accomplish his purpose. Every born again believer in Jesus Christ has been given a unique and critical role to fulfill in his righteous kingdom expansion on earth. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Each one of us, if you are in Christ, you have been given a unique and critical role to work with the body to expand the kingdom of God, the righteous kingdom of God. The traumatic, but, 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 but rather, however, the, the God of this world is constantly at work to thwart our progress, constantly at work, telling us, you know, we got these, this noise that's always in our ear, in our mind, the, the noise, trying to change the righteous narrative of God, the noise. The traumatic effects of sin enslave many believers to unrest, un, un, unrighteous fleshly behaviors that destroy their godly witness and inhibit the advancement of the truth, the word of life. Without Christ, it's just existence. Real life is in Christ and Christ alone. This world, the enemy, the God of this world, Satan, is working to thwart our efforts. And we peek into the land we stand on the seashore, and in the beginning, it's just a placid sea. But then we're, we're, we're afraid. Well, you know, if, 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 if I get in the boat and go out there, I'm, it's probably a storm going to come up. It's probably a storm. So, so maybe we should just stay and light a campfire right here on the beach. And God says, go to the other side. But, but, but God, see, see, I got some fishermen with me that are familiar with the ebb and flow of the sea. And they say, once you get out there in the middle of the storms, they, they come up, you know, before you know it, you, I mean, you'd just be sailing along, singing kumbaya and, and, and having a great, great time. And all of a sudden, bam, here comes a storm. So, so it's best that we <laughs> kind of stay here. You, you, you know, I'm, I'm happy being a, a, a little wimp in Christ. But I know there's nobody here. So I'm, I'm telling you about some of the people you may know or have heard of. <laughs> so 
We need courageous faith. God provides his children courageous faith to advance his righteous kingdom and to live holy in an unrighteous world. Now, lost people need to see truth lived out in front of them with uncompromising trust in the truth giver. They need to know that it is what they have been created to live out. Everybody who's ever been born is searching for a way out. A way out of the mess that they find themselves in. The two young people I spoke of at the beginning gave up hope. Lost people need to see the truth. God has called us to live and display that truth. Courageous faith. Okay, Ravon. All right, all right, all right. I hear you. But the real question is, how is it possible to live an uncompromising witness in such a traumatic, sinful world with all of these giants in the land? How, how can you do this, Ravon? I hear you talking. How is it possible? But see, I would be remiss to think that you automatically know how to do this. You know, some people say, well, you just, I, I, I remember years ago, years ago, I'm on this church staff and, <laughs> oh man, I tell you, some people are educated beyond their usefulness, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on this church staff and this, uh, this pastor Dr. So-and-so. You, you, you know what, what, what gets me? People say, well, Vaughn, uh, you know, are you reverend? Listen, if you want to call me pastor, you want to call me reverend, that's your thing. But my mom gave me the name Ravon. She didn't name me reverend. She didn't name me pastor. My name is Ravon, okay? I'm happy with that. I don't have no big ego. I don't run around. I do have an ego. I believe egos are necessary. Righteous ego is necessary. Because it is in conjunction with courageous faith. It's what we need to climb the mountain of Christ-centeredness and establish this lifestyle that God has called us to display before this wicked world. So, I'm fine with that. But when we think about this brother, man, we were talking about uh, this whole issue of, of 
church and uh, how we should be church for all people. Now, he's on the staff that I'm on, and we're trying to develop and work out uh, uh, what it means to be a church for all people. It's, it's what I call into me see. You know, into me see. That's, that's what God did with Adam and Eve. They were naked and not ashamed. Now, it's just not a physical nakedness. That is a spiritual, heart, emotional nakedness and not ashamed. It was an into me see. The body of Christ, I, I, I have what I, I this, this thing I, I call refrigerator theology. Refrigerator theology says that uh, you know, if, if, if I come to your house, I either got to be family or real good friends to go in your refrigerator. Right? Just anybody can't go in the refrigerator. Church is supposed to feel like that. When we come into the congregation, we're believers. If we're all believers, if we're all family in God, we're supposed to feel like we can go into one another's refrigerator. It's refrigerator theology. So we were having a discussion about this. Well, all you got to do is, 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 is just believe Jesus Christ. How stupid is that? That's really a stupid saying. Think about it. How many people in America have believed Jesus Christ? They used to teach it in school. It was the textbook. And we're the most segregated nation in the world. Boo, y'all. Well, all you got to do is, is, is just believe, Ravon. Well, you got to do more than just... The Bible said, James said, says, uh, the devil believes. <laughs> okay. So it's more than that. Well, what is it, Ravon? How do we live this life? How do we have courageous faith? He says, he says look at what he said, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us. God has chosen, and I don't know why, you, you would think that being the, the creator of, of, of everything, being knowing the end from the beginning, that he would have thought of a better way than to use ignorant people. But he chose to use us. I, it boggles my mind. I don't spend too much time thinking about it because I blow my brain out. Because you cannot figure it out. All we know is that he chose to use you and I. He chose to get this sinful individual. He chose to get this lump of clay, this broken vessel, and put it back together to mend it and fill us with the spirit. And he chose to use us on the day we accepted Christ as our savior. And he said, you pour out to others what I pour into you. You know, if you do what you know, you will continue to grow. He doesn't say you need to know everything the moment you're saved. Do you know when a newborn baby is born, there's some characteristics about humans 
when a newborn baby is born and, and you bring them home and you put them in a bassinet or whatever the case may be, and, and, and if everybody, all the adults and children all around the baby just laid down on the floor, never got up, never moved, you know, the baby would never try to walk. They mimic what they see. Those are characteristics of humans. We mimic what we see. So when, 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 when people see holiness and righteousness, and this is what I believe, you know, the Old Testament to me, and, and I'll sum it up in, in, in a big thing. The, the Old Testament, and I'm not trying to create some new theology, okay? But, but, but the Old Testament to me is a physical example of New Testament spiritual truth. So when I look in the Old Testament, I look in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem, the city of God, to build a wall around the city. <laughs> kind of like God has built a wall around his church. You say, well, wait a minute, Ravon. Yeah, but it's a plexiglass wall. So the people on the outside can see in. Well, why does he want them to see in? Because he wants to give the world an example of what it's like to walk with him. What it's like to be loved by one another. The very thing that they're searching for, they're hoping for, they're scratching and clawing for. He says it's right there in the pew every Sunday. It's right there at the dinner table as they eat with one another, as they fellowship with one another, as they walk down by the seashore with one another. That's how I want my people to live. And I want every single individual in this wicked world to see it. That's what Jerusalem, I mean, what, what Israel was supposed to do. Now he has given it to the New Testament church. So we have been given the message of reconciliation. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you know you cannot separate who you are from what you do? I can squash it. I know God wants me to live a certain kind of way, but I can refuse because God's not gonna make me. Now I will pay severely because God will discipline a brother. You know, and you don't want no stinging cord from the Lord. <laughs> You're talking about an ouch. <laughs> no, no, we don't want that. Okay, so, so how do we live this? Listen, remember the two questions I gave at the beginning. Do you believe God is absolutely sovereign over all creation? And if so, what difference does it, it make being a Christian? Well, I think there are five things that, are, that need to happen. First of all, you got to be certain of God. You got to be certain of God. You got to know who he is and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. You have to be certain of God. And then you got to lock that door and throw away the key. Never to question who God is ever again. That's the first thing. 
You've got to be convinced. Yeah, this is God. And you hear people say, well, you know, I question whether or not God exists. Listen, that, that's long gone. That question is answered. You cannot look at him. The Bible says it's a fool that says there is no God. And you cannot argue with a fool. That question is long gone. Somebody started complaining, well, there ain't no God. You got to prove to me that there's a God. No, I don't. You have to prove me that, to me that there isn't. I don't need to prove to you that there's a God. Creation proves that. You got to prove to me that there is no God. Can you do that? Well, you, you know, there was a big bang. Okay, where did that come from? So you got to be certain. Know for certain who God is and never question it again. Then you got to know your identity in Christ. This is key. I think this is absolutely critical, guys. You got to know your identity in Christ. I am a blood-bought, adopted son of Yahweh, sovereign God of all creation, who, uh, by, by faith in Jesus Christ, who redeemed me from eternal damnation and gave me eternal life. I am an ambassador of heaven, representing the kingdom of God on earth, and a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am the husband of a beautiful blood-bought woman, the father of two wonderful blood-bought children, and eternally grateful for the overwhelming grace shown to me by God. That's who I am. Who are you? Who are you? Well, you know, I'm an engineer at Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of believers in church are lost just like that. That puts you on a hamster wheel. And you become ineffective to fulfill the purpose that God has put in your life and empower you to accomplish. Who are you? Spend time with the God of all creation, asking him, Father, who am I? You know, that's what I did. It didn't just come all of a sudden, but, oh, wow, man, that's a revelation. No. I had to spend some quality time with God. Why? Because I said, okay, Lord, you my culture, you my everything right now, all right? You it. I believe you. I'm sold on that. Boom. I ain't questioning that no more. But who am I? Since you created me, who am I? Then you got to know your purpose and mission. Because God left us here. There's something else I asked. I said, well, you know, okay, since I'm not going to get any more Jesus, I got all the Jesus I'm going to get. Why am I here? 
Because what I've been taught, well, man, you're just going to get Jesus and, 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 you know, everything going to be hokey-dory. You know, you're going to have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Okay, so I looked at it. I said, well, you know, the goal is to get to heaven, to live eternally with him, this blissful life. So wh why am I here? Did I not accept you? Did I miss something? Why you leave me here, Lord? He's giving me a purpose. Well, my life purpose is clear. To improve the quality of people's lives by helping them see, hear, and understand and act on the truth about Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. To teach the word of truth to his people. That's my purpose. That's why I told you you need me. That's why I like what Paul said. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It is better for you that I'm here. Why? So I can impart some truth to you that I suffer through to gain. What's your purpose? It's not to code. I got nothing against Microsoft. If they give you enough money to buy a yacht, call a brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we can go sell it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got nothing against that. Okay, but I'm just saying, what's your purpose? Each one of us, when you're saved, you can move into your God-given purpose. Everybody is born with a purpose, but you cannot fulfill that purpose without Jesus Christ because it is God given. We go up to the mountaintop in Haggai. He says, all of you are trying to build your, your, your own. Oh, I got to hurry up. Don't he, sa he says, all of you are trying to build your own uh, 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 domains, paneled houses and stuff. He said, I want you to go up to the mountain and get some wood and come back and build a temple. Well, I go up to the mountain to, to spend some time with God so I can get the wood that I can construct this temple. So, so, so I take this and I go up. This is my mountaintop. So I spend time with him on the mountain. Heavenly Father, as I open the word, Heavenly Father, control me by the Spirit and Holy Spirit, teach me what you want me to know. Teach me. And so I, I, I get these nuggets, I get this wood and I come back and I, 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 he, he uses it to construct this temple. This temple of holiness and righteousness for other people so that I can reach out and I can touch people and I can help them construct their temple. We're called to help each other. We're called to build each other. We're called to lock arms with each other. We need each other. I need you so bad you don't even understand. It's hard out here. It is difficult. Next thing we need. Oh, oh. You need to know your core values. And it's, and it's 
<laughs> Listen, it's not enough to say, well, I, I just want to know God and, and, and make him known. Okay, all right, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I, I just want to know God, man. What does that mean? You don't even know what it means. You're saying stuff that you have no clue. My, my, my spiritual men, most, most people believe the Bible because they don't know what it says. You have no clue what that means. To know God and make him know. This, this is what I love about it. All of this mess, all of this dirt that's right here, that's in this thing, if I pour the water of the word in me, and I love this principle, and, and, and you've seen it, I say, right, and okay, I'm, this, this is my th second close. I get one more. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw it in elementary school. I, I remember this experiment. Uh, when, when I was, I think I was in the second grade, my teacher, she would take a dirty glass, or she took a dirty glass of water, and you know, they have the, the labs in the room when you, when, at least when I, I don't know if they still do that, but when I was in elementary school, they had the, like a little lab in the room where you were. And so we'd go over to the, to, to the sink, and she would take a dirty glass of water, and she would put it in the sink under the faucet. And then she would turn on the faucet and clean water would run into the glass, the dirty glass of water, and pretty soon the dirty water would dissipate and you'd be left with a clean glass of water. That's what this is. It is the pure water of God, the word that washes your life clean. You pour this into you. You pour this into you. And all of that unrighteous mess will come out. So you got to know your core values. What are the verses that keep you on track? This is just a couple. I'm not going to read. I have about 10 of them. I want to be Christ-centered. I want to love and honor my wife. I want to control what I say and how I say it. I want to raise my children in the fear of the Lord, to be humble, to be a friend, to love my brothers in Christ, to live debt free and to do my best at everything. Those are my core values. What are yours? That's how I want to live my Life. That's my plumb line. That's how I'm trying to live my life. How are you trying to live yours? Then last, you got to be diligent in your walk. You got to continually submit to the control of the Holy Spirit. You got to continually submit to the control of the Holy Spirit of God. It is God that worketh in us to accomplish his will. The spirit knows what the spirit, the mind of the spirit, right? God the Father says it and the Holy Spirit does it. 
He worketh in us. Okay, Ravon, you got to get out of here. You spent too much time. All right. I close. It's my third close. It does not mean that you will not stumble along life's journey. I've stumbled. I stumble all the time. The one that try and, and, and uh, you know, say the right thing. You, you, you know, one of, one of the problems I do have, and y'all can pray for me on this, is, is I have yet to get my right foot saved. I've, I've, been, I've been putting oil on it and everything. And, it's, you know, sometimes it just go haywire when I'm driving. <laughs> I I'm trying to rebuke that demon in it, you know, but it, it just don't. It just don't want to go sometimes. You know, people driving in front of me, they slow down. You go, oh, man. But, and then the Lord said, Ravon, they don't know where you're going. I said, dang. Okay, Lord, all right. But you got to say this right foot, Lord. People are searching for happiness. Hmm. Happiness is a byproduct of righteousness. Happiness is a byproduct of righteousness. Be reconciled to God and exhibit courageous faith in this dark world. That's God's call on your life. Now, I don't know where some of you are in your relationship to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you where I was. You see, I was in church. I was a good church goer. I had risen to the level, we call them elders in here, but I was in the AME church and they, they, they call them trustees. I was a trustee in the church. I was singing in the choir, but I didn't know Jesus from a hole in the ground. According to George Barner, did a survey several years ago. He said the greatest evangelism prospects were in the pew. 40% of people in the pew never received Jesus Christ as their savior and they've been there an average of 10 years. So I would be remiss to think that each and every one of you has received Jesus Christ. And those of you who are looking on the feed have received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. I didn't. So I cannot ask you to be reconciled to God and just pass pass this up. The, The message and the opportunity God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for the sin that you could not pay for. The debt that you could not pay for. And because of that, when you receive him, he gives a transfer. (laughs) The old life no longer has the power to control you. (laughs) Don't mean we don't give it to it because we got to be renewed by What? 
transforming your mind. You see, we've been born again in the old life, the old nature in us has no authority any longer if you have a new nature in Christ. That new nature in Christ now has the authority to squash, go into the land and kill everything. That new nature, God has already went into the land of your life and he has delivered you, whoa. He has delivered you So I don't know if every single person here has been delivered. But it takes courageous faith. You see, I can remember sitting one Sunday morning in a different church with people who knew about me, who knew that that I was a leader in the church, who knew that I was singing in the choir, who knew that I was in a Bible study, but they did not know I was an unbeliever. I was just a church goer. I don't know about you, but it took faith. God spoke to my heart. Fourth close. God spoke to my heart, guys. And he said, Ravon, it's time. It's time. Let's quit playing around. It's time. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you. We're going to take communion here in a minute. But it don't mean all it is is you just getting a little juice. If you don't know Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask you. If you've never been reconciled to God. To be courageous enough to surrender your heart to him because it takes courageous faith. I'm sitting there with people and, and, and the Lord said, Ravon, it's time. And I just stood up. It didn't matter who was around me. It didn't matter who was looking at me. It didn't matter. Only thing that mattered was me and God. Now, if you have recept, accepted Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you another opportunity. And that opportunity is that as you walk around in this land of being new and living a life in him, that you submit to the Holy Spirit to be courageous in your faith. So I'm going to pray. Oh, man, I'm way over, guys. Forgive me. Probably want to invite a brother back, you know. That brother go too long. My roast is burning. God loves you. He wants you to fulfill the destiny, the vision. 
that he had in mind when he created you. Seattle is no match for the life of Christ. Even in this church, let alone the other ones, if you but come together, if you but exhibit the refrigerator theology, if you truly, honest, listen, love one another, I'm, 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 Ravon, stop. Hey guys, my heart is hurting. I had two people give up hope this week. I don't want you to give up hope. Courageous faith. If you want to accept Jesus Christ, there's going to be some people up here to pray with you after we take communion. And if you want to stand and say, Lord, I haven't been living up to the person that you created me to be. Forgive me, Father. I surrender. I surrender all. Now, Lord, you can use me in whatever manner you want. Hallelujah. Taking communion, guys. The last night of his life. Before Jesus went to the cross to pay the debt for our sin. Isn't it amazing that he could look down through the corridors of time and see you and I sitting here this morning and say, for them, I'm going to do this. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We are his joy. So communion is remembering that. Because we so easily forget. So we take communion as a way of remembering what Jesus has done for us. Take a moment of reflection and then come forth as you feel led. Take the elements and in the quietness of your heart remember. Father, we thank you for your word. It is absolutely true. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all, and we are His.